0: Biblically, Talmudically, Midrashically, or Kabbalistically. Each of these would provide us with different conclusions, different understandings. Biblically, one story. Talmudically, all about Halakha. Midrashically, some of the ideas that are involved. Kabbalistically is a completely out of scope, out of mind, striking, strange understanding. How the Kabbalists understood the holiday of Pesach. Number one. Number two. You can study the holiday historically. And in fact, we did, months ago, try to pinpoint the historical aspects of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Who was the king? Was it Moses III? Was it the II? Was it in the 15th century or in the 13th century? So we studied historically based on normative canons of history. Good. Or one can study it halakhically, which means simply tell me the halakhot or any combination thereof. Chavu Bodei Yosef studies it halachically, pure and simple. The Makor Haim studies it halachically, but adds a madrashic element, a kabbalistic element, here and there, because he sees the halacha as just too dry. Who wants to just do this halacha? So he adds a great deal of footnotes, and kind of an introduction, which is madrashic, which is sometimes kabbalistic. Now, let's say in our morning class, we focus on the halakha with a touch of philosophy. And now, tonight, we're going to study the philosophical aspects of, with a touch of halakha. To put it all together. So you open up to the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus, which is found on page 348. It begins here. It all begins here. Now, why is this chapter so significant? Number one, one should be aware that Rashi says in the book of Bereshit, you know the entire Torah of Bereshit up to Shemot Yudbet is really irrelevant. You don't need it. You should have started the Torah from the very first mitzvah. first mitzvah is the sanctification of time. Start it there. <coughs> Whenever you have a Shit, you find the Ten Commandments, the Shabbat. You don't need the whole book of Bereshit or the first eleven chapters of Shemot. Twelve is where the action, theologically, spiritually, really begins. It's all about chapter twelve. Good to see you. Welcome. Alhamdulillah. Sorry. Yes, it's all about. This is the first bit of that. It's all about it. So of course, those of us who immerse ourselves in the book of Bereshit are devastated, demoralized by Rashi's comment. How can Rashi say that? That the entire Rashi is irrelevant, 11 chapters are irrelevant, all this is irrelevant. Start the Torah with the first Mitzvah, chapter 12, Mitzvah 1, sanctification of time. Rashi wants that. Of course there are others that are will argue with Rashi and say, what are you talking about? But that's Rashi's comment. Point number one. So let's, when you focus on this issue of sanctification of time, time becomes an enormously important element in Judaism. Time, is all about sanctification of time. Shabbat is about sanctification of time, as opposed to sanctification of place, which happens way later at the Mishkan. Earlier, the rabbis and the Torah are not concerned about sanctification of place, only you should see time as that which is potentially sanctifiable. Shabbat is sanctification of time, as opposed to the six days. Now, furthermore, what's interesting about this one verse. Look at verse two on page three forty-eight. This month shall be for you the first of all months. You showed who number one month for the months of the year. So this is month number one. Now, why is that so significant? There are two elements over here which have to be brought out in the ancient Near Eastern world in the pagan societies. Which celebration did they celebrate most intensely? Creation. When the gods engaged in their primeval battles, and the gods, Barduk and the Babylonians, each each individual culture, had their own gods who were the head of the Pantheon. So in, uh, in, in Canaanite Pantheon, it was Baal. The name Baal, which meant Lord, Master, and Husband, that Baal, but look at you for that. You're Lord and Master in your house. I know that's not true. I'd go in the house. He thinks that Wait, way. Wait, who
1: are you talking to? Me or her? <laughs> right <it's laughs> just to
0: get it. You got the safe side. And so that word, essentially, the word Baal meant husband, but it meant it's Lord and Master. So Baal was the head of the Canaanite pantheon. Marduk, or Mordechai in Hebrew, was the head of the Babylonian pantheon. Marduk.
2: Mordecai is Marduk.
0: Oh, of course. In the Babylonian
2: version of it. Is it also uh, Persian? Yeah, well that's that's
0: the whole culture, yes. Mesopotamian, Babylonian, (laughs) Persian culture. Yes, all that. So we're going back now to 1800 before the Common Era. Before Torah, the Babylonian creation epic, Mesopotamian creation epic, Jewish creation, they all have their head gods. So they celebrated creation. We celebrate creation in the seventh month without it really being celebrated. We now celebrate creation. Is there any holiday for creation? We have Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year, which celebrates our renewal. They saw it as celebration of creation, or the victory of the head god over the lesser gods, who then was proclaimed the gods. So that's the Babylonian myth. So over here, what are we celebrating? The human being. Liberation from servitude. So Al focuses on liberation and the human being. The pagan culture was focused on the deity who emerged victoriously from his battles to achieve oneness. In interesting, in the um, Babylonian epic, and again, this is all standard stuff in any book on, on, uh, on pagan religion, <coughs> you find that Marduk took Tima'at, his mother, defeated her, it's an interesting Freudian kind of battle between the, the son and the father and the mother. He slit her carcass in two and he made the heavens one part, the, the other bottom part of her body was the bottom part and he reigned supremely. That's Marduk. That's Mordechai. Good. Which is why I named my kid Mordecai.
3: This <laughs> <laughs> is just
0: an insecurity complex. He should be aware he's Marduk. So that's number one. So here we're purposely taking not Tishreb as the head month, as the first month, but Nisan, which celebrates freedom from servitude, number one. Number two, this is a powerful pasuk because it tells you, if you notice very carefully, this month is for you, the first month. So the rabbis in the Talmud, in a fascinating comment, says say, say to us, Lachem, it's you to determine the time sequence. You tell me, Hashem says, when you want to celebrate Passover. Lachem, Let's say you made a mistake. And you proclaimed the wrong day to be Passover. Why would you do that? Because in those days, they sanctified the new month based on visualization. They saw the new moon, they counted. That's Rosh Chodesh. Seeing is believing. Two witnesses came, we saw the new moon. The sliver of the new moon. Right? The first day of the month. What it looked like? What color were they asking for 15 questions? And they proclaimed, new moon. So it was all visual. You Make a mistake, it's cloudy. You might miss it till <coughs> so they established the calendar calendrically, which happened in the 3rd, 4th century after the common era, Hillel Sheni, The Gregorian calendar, remember, was the 13th century. Pope Gregory was a very powerful personality. He established the Gregorian calendar in the 13th century, which changed and messed up a lot of things. But our calendar was established mathematically in the 3rd century by Hillel Sheni. Otherwise, it was all visual. So let's say you make a mistake. So God says, Lachem, do you made a mistake? I'll sanctify it as well. Let's say you intentionally gave me the wrong day. I'll sanctify that as well. So here you have a standing statement of the convergence of God sanctifying that which we proclaim. So it's God and man together. Which is one of the essential teachings of all of the Bible is that we have to do our share, God will do his share. We spoke about our Shabbat in Amalek. Like God will do His share, we must do our share. We have to destroy like physically, ideationally, and God will destroy like metaphysically. There's two elements, there's two partners. There's a, there's a raw matter called the earth. You have the obligation of populating the earth, maintaining the earth, of making the earth the appropriate place to to live on. So you play the role, and God will play His role.
3: So wouldn't it be easier to say that like the reason that we are that we sort of have this like new um, like counting time instead of based on creation rather based on the event. It like isn't it easier to like attribute that to like us becoming a nation from an event rather than like for example like yeah. the Babylonian culture which was more of a nation based on the place rather than an event. right right. So like it just makes more sense then to have like it wouldn't make sense to to establish a calendar based on creation for the new like the emerging Jewish nation because they have no sense of theology.
0: Well, you're going too fast for me. Yeah, I'm not sure what they thought about theology. No, but but they had no place. They're they're in the desert. Right. Let's assume they're in the desert, Egypt desert. So there's no place. So you're right. There's no place that is sanctified. Even hard not sanctified, right? Right. So they're sanctifying time. Who's sanctifying time? So there's two sanctifications. God says every seventh day I am sanctifying time, but in the holidays, which is the human, so we're kind of now. Going one step further, the holidays are our creation, along with God. agreeing to what we're doing. That's my only point of the yeah. word lachem. So you want to base what holidays on creation? No. no, 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 no. So like, like it makes more sense
3: that we that we have a calendar based on an event rather than like creation, like like Babylonian culture. For example, why would they not?
0: Why did they do it that way? Why did Babylonians base it on creation? Because they want to celebrate the deity.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but so 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 like so like my point is it would have been irrelevant for the
0: jewish nation to do it based on creation. You no know, if they were good pagans, which they were eventually, to do to follow a pagan way, this is a radical departure from a 1000 year, 2000 year culture which enveloped them prior to their existence even. The first pagans are 3800 before the common era Sumer, right? This CT Mitzrayim, historically is let's say 1300 before the common era. So in 2000s, you have a pagan culture flourishing. And it's true that some of the elements creeped in, in certain aspects or elements, but otherwise, we are, Moshe is trying to battle against those elements and saying we are distinctive, we are unique. Was also Abraham Avinu? Yeah, going back. He's 1800 also? before the common era. Yes, absolutely. His idea of God, of justice, of righteousness, absolutely. So he's 600 years before Moshe Rabbeinu. But okay, so from that point of view. But... Officially, Moshe Rabin is writing all this out and he's struggling with what is part of pagan culture which people are living. You're living as an American. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along and says, don't be American any longer, wipe it out. You can't. It's part of your being. If you lived in America, it's your essence. If you really were a patriotic person. But Moshe comes along and says, I'm going to change that culture slowly from what is to what should be. Example given, servitude. Servitude, we have a whole section over here on servitude. About avdut. That's what what is. That could not be rooted out. Sacrifices. One can guess that sacrifices is the way the person related to God. No choice but. So we have sacrifices. That's what is. What should happen is what will be, which is we eliminate the sacrifices and rather we pray in their stead. We use prayer instead of sacrifices. As a message on Sunday, we're going to go beyond that, and eventually, the verbalization is limitation. When you verbalize a prayer, your words limit what's in your heart. So eventually, as the Rama talks about in 332 of God to he says, We went through sacrifices to prayer, and now we're going to go to meditation. Meditation is expanding, it's way beyond the verbalization. And it's interesting because, of course, verbalization becomes routinization. So that's the problem with prayer. It's routinized. We come, we, we say it, it, we go home, that's it.
1: But you can't do the... You can, you can do that communal. Do what? The prayer. Yeah. If, if it move to a medit- meditation like state, it could not be done. Right. Yeah, that's the problem.
2: A, if you have a meditative kavana when you're saying... That's the God. ideal.
0: That's what we should strive for. But none of us do. It's very rare. It's yeah, very hard. Especially Publicly. It's interesting. Um, I know a person that never went to shul, but prayed at home, and you know, for 10 minutes. Has no Hebrew education, but put on Tefillin only, and prayed at home privately, right? Lost his father, once I Kaddish. I put on tape and all that stuff, on and, and tape, and I went on with him. Can't read Hebrew, but I get transliterated, gave him the card, and he goes to shul every morning, every night. He said it's a terrible letdown for his praying experience. Because they're running through it. He can't follow it. He's trying to catch up with Kaddish and he's not communing. He's not visiting God, so to speak. No, there's
2: no relationship.
0: There's no relationship. There's no relationship. He hates no relationship. it. What do I tell him? Stay home? Don't say Kaddish? It's very rough. And home. He said he always had his 15 minutes of putting on Tefillin, maybe saying the Shema, nothing more than that. But that to him was a very special moment of private time with Hashem. is
3: yes, very. And he doesn't
0: have that now. It's a really kind of rough balance between getting the emotional, spiritual, and he had that. He felt very deeply that. Rarely went to shul. Once in a while, she had back to the in Brooklyn. This is Brooklyn. It was on, in, in the, um, near the, where um, shul? What was it was called the, um, yeah, no, down Bedford Avenue, that area. Israel. Oh, Israel. Yeah, College, yeah. right. So it's a lovely shul. He likes it. the is great. Happy he's there. Very nice. But he says, I'm losing what I really was. So everybody's feels, in a rush. Sorry, everybody's in a rush. Everybody's in a rush. That's why we pray. Hazan gets up. It starts exactly on time. But you need the you need the rigidity. I understand that. If you want to get to work. I understand that. But you're losing an awful lot. Even on Shabbat, we have the time. We rush through it. We get through it. It's very difficult. No, like now, like now, there's like a slight emergence of like
3: meditation. You know?
0: Yeah, Now it's much more popular. Yeah, meditation is, is it's rampant. I mean, there's there's thousands of centers throughout the entire United States. For, for physical reasons, therapeutic reasons, meditative reasons, it's very, it's important, is, it's good.
2: Is that a good term for
0: Judaism, You think? Absolutely. You meditate, you enter into your It sect. seems
2: like it's going into a...
0: Yeah, into another, another realm. realm. So I, it, it it's always divinely based, it's not based on <coughs> uh, paganism. But it's based mm-hmm. on the- <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was like.
1: Oh, you do yoga. Yoga is like not it's pagan, like necessarily. Ago. No, but it's it's, it's, just, it's just
2: a certain lifestyle. A,
1: a
0: certain lifestyle. Certain well, lifestyle, lifestyle was it pagan? I wouldn't oh. call it pagan.
2: They they actually <laughs> believe that there's like all well, they they really like uh, different DT's? anthropomorphisms actually. I have I different
0: different energy. All, and yoga, things, all things. yoga. All yoga. I mean, no. I is, no, a, not it's like, all yoga. No,
3: it's the new thing that's out now. The trendy yoga. I think is what is Pilates. No, it's, I don't know if it's such a spiritual, a spiritual oh, I don't experience.
0: Know. I don't know. I, I know that when I read about it, because people talk, talk about that in me and how meditation helps you physically. Yes. So they, in the book I'm reading now, Anti Cancer, they have a chapter, the last chapter, it talks about the, the meditative state, how to achieve breathing and how to do it. And it really helps your immune system. Physi- the physiology is Health influenced pain by
3: management, pain management. management. Yeah, Absolutely, it yeah, no.
0: makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very important. How to meditate properly? I had a lesson today. How to meditate properly? Now I do generally, but I had more, I want a more focused meditation on your breathing, and it's a very fascinating. Yeah, it is. There's an interesting study that uh, I just in this book it quotes this, this guy's Dr. David Shriver, M.D., Ph.D. He research. He, he also says that touching is very important. Touching in Reiki, they touch. In Reiki, mm-hmm. I do Reiki as well. They touch. And they had a short a study of newborn infants in the 1980s that were born prematurely, put under perfect medical, physical conditions, the breathing, the oxygen, the purity, the feeding, the milligram, everything's perfect, but the babies are not getting better. And then some nurse, and, then, and then people were told, don't touch the, the parents and the children, they're in an environment free of isolation, isolation. isolation. Yeah. sterile, right. They so, to the but they needed touching. And then this one nurse who felt so guilty that the kids are crying, just stroked their backs. She stroked their backs, she calmed them. And then they started growing. The cell needs a human touch to provide the enzymes that tell it to reproduce and to grow. They tried the experiment, I'll give you the references, and it's published in Lancet. And rats, they took rats away from their mothers, and they left them in isolation, they didn't grow. They started stroking the back with a brush which looked like the mother's touch. And the rest started growing. So it works in rats, it works in babies. So now they encourage, good. That's that's a very sensitive father. Very good. You can't grow much. Very good. So the stroke is very See, so it just grew two inches, look at it. Amazing. It really works. So it's interesting how medically, the physical aspects of it, the mental aspects of it, all combine to make... To make more There was a
1: there was a study done with meditation where somebody had electrodes hooked up to them mm. to mm. test their muscle movement, mm. and in the state of meditation, they were able to take their energy and push it to one side of their head, and their head was moving, mm. with and the, without the muscles reacting. It was wow. so they were able to prove that it was being done by energy, which is what you know. The life
0: force. It's something. It's a life force. Breathing is a life force, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so back to, so allah over here is a key word because it tells us that you now have a role in sanctification. It's not only up to God. God does Shabbat, you have to do the holidays. Good. So this first Pasuk is very strong and very important. Now, of course, this Pasuk is an introduction to Passover, and you go further on. I'm not going to read all the Pesukim, but I want you to be aware that these first 15 or 20 Pesukim is about one kind of Passover experience, as opposed to what we celebrate. This is called Pesach Mitzrayim. What they did in the first ten verses, they took a lamb, and they, the beginning of the month, and if Allah house not have a lamb, then they took he and his neighbor. All they did over here, <coughs> we never did again. That's called Pesach Mitzrayim. They did it then, and never was it commanded that we do this forever. We have our Pesach later on spoken about. And all they did over here, that one year old, from these sheep, from the goats, verse 6, verse 7, it shall be a safeguard for the fourth day of the month, and they they shechted it in the evening and all that stuff. Take take the blood. We don't take the blood and put it on your doorpost. We don't do any of that. This is Pesach Mitzrayim. So we all we all understand that. No, never. Only once. Oh, this is called Pesach Mitzrayim. That year, they did
1: this ritual. Did they do sacrifices as slaves in Egypt? No, this is the
0: first time that they were done
1: but they were around it. Oh, yeah. Because oh, the Egyptians absolutely. were doing it. Absolutely, continuously. yeah.
0: So we should be aware, yes. So we should be aware that the way in verse 8, to eat the meat this night, roasted with matzot, amareim, yochulum, all that, don't eat it raw and all that stuff. That's the Now, that's good. The Torah later on extrapolates from this opening statement, and we will do part of it. We eat bitter herbs. We eat, uh, they, had been a Macdash, they ate the roasted lamb, but not in the way that's described over here. Some mitzvot were only done for that generation, and some mitzvot we do ongoingly. So one has to always make, make sure of that.
3: Who decided that?
0: Rabbis, or based on the Torah's view of it. Rabbis, when they thought about it, they said, that doesn't, God didn't mean this forever. It's the only Passover time. They did it then. We do something else in ours. Yeah. So the rabbis kind of created the experience. We don't put blood. We don't do this. We don't do that. We do our thing.
1: Did they? Was there never a break in celebrating Passover? There
0: probably was. When, I'm pretty sure when there was.
1: They went, when they went into Israel, did they celebrate Passover yes. this way, or they changed? It? No,
0: no, no. Not, never this way again.
1: But only in the desert for the 40 yes. years. Yes. Well, so in they, Egypt. in Egypt. In Egypt. Oh, so in the yeah. desert they stopped? They didn't
0: celebrate any Passover in Egypt for 40 years. Oh, okay. There's a break. There's no, no Mila. There's no Chamez. There's no Chamez. No <laughs> there was. They probably didn't grow any wheat <laughs> or grain. Right? <laughs> the whole thing was pissed. So, yeah. <laughs> All year round. And then they came to Israel. And to the extent that Joshua and the leaders were able to do this, they did it. But again, it was paganized to a great degree. So we see a lot of the paganism from the book of, let's say, Judges. They're all pagan. Joshua gets in, establishes, does his battles, settles down, and says, I'm leaving. I'm out of here now. And he leaves. So to whatever degree that certain segments probably followed it, and many of the people, the lay people, the people from the street, were influenced by the paganism. So every, Navi came along and said, no, stop the paganism. They couldn't stop it. They just could not stop Paganists, for 600 years, they kept involved, and every Navi, Eliyahu, Elisha, and Ambosha, they all complained about, these people are, what we call, syncretistically religion. religious. What does that mean, syncretism? So elements of Judaism, elements of paganism, combined together, as Christianity is. Christianity is partly Jewish, and partly pagan. The notion of a resurrected deity is Krishna, it's Indian. fourth, Third century before the common era, Krishna as the Krishnas today. I Krishna. Krishna was a 4th, 3rd century Indian deity who resurrected. They had resurrection, so they took it on their way. And many of the, the, the today, the Hanukkah bush would be a syncretistic, A little bit of Hanukkah, a little bit of Christianity, together. Well,
2: actually, so that's called the, secretism. Actually, the Christmas tree is pagan.
0: Yeah, absolutely, exactly, yes. yes. The Asherah, which we talk about for all Navis, the Asherah, they always put a mizbech near the Asherah, Provide shade. So yes, absolutely. And we find the pagan Baal deities under trees. So we're not allowed to have these trees next to our Baal, next to our Aron, our stuff. You can't have any trees. Those trees under in our places of worship. Very interesting. So the Jews then were probably syncretistically Jewish. Now, why were they so? Because God, as an abstraction, is very difficult to to love, to to, to serve, do what He wants. It's an abstraction. God's an idea with reality. As we explain, what does that mean? God's an idea, so we all know what idea is—the idea of beauty. It's an idea. Mm-hmm. So let's say God's an idea. Now, let's say we let's say we say, "Danny's beautiful." Could I say that? <laughs> is that just to keep it's it fair. kosher? <laughs> and I agree. So Danny is beauty with reality. He's real. He really—he's there, right? You can touch him. Mm-hmm. So he's beauty and he is beautiful, with reality, right? So we all understand the idea of beauty, and God is an idea. But also, we would assert that God has the facet or aspect of having reality. So it's an abstraction. It's very hard for people to conceive of. So people need a physical symbol, a golden calf. A physical symbol, because we can't serve an abstract idea, Every time that idea has a reality to it, but I still can't see it. I can see him. He's good. He's there. But I can't see God. So they needed to have something that was more concrete. It's a human need. I think today we also have a need for that. God is an abstraction that one communes with meditatively. is very hard to access. That's why we have pictures of rabbis all over. Which is sad. To me it's very sad. I agree. You're right. But the people need that. I mean, I don't have, I don't have that, but, but but I get it. You know, but... Yeah. I hate to say there. this, but in the Old Bay Midrash, you walked in, you had 12 of these menorahs and names and that. I felt it was a pagan temple. I was. Ho- I felt it was, I was horrible. Because all these signs and symbols yeah. and all these Kabbalistic writings and all that stuff, Everywhere you know, looked, there's a big... You know, all that? I got very nervous from it. It should be an empty...
3: Space. But don't you think that it's a basic human
0: need? Yes, I yes, yes. I mean, there are yeah, some but people it, but it that drove don't me nuts. need it. Yeah, I mean,
3: there are a lot of people that don't need it, but no, no, I I really, most they people do careful. need it. They do need
0: it, but you have to not draw that line. So that's correct. Yeah. People need it, so I agree. People need it. You're right. That's why they were pagan. Also, when we
2: get the mitzvah to make the mishkan,
0: that's yes,
2: that's also like we just heard. There should be no even symbols and before, have, and like, we, have we, this we have these symbols. angelic. Beings, it's very
0: ornate, very, very ornate. ornate. <laughs> very. People's needs, gold, silver.
2: <coughs> but was the am I correct in, in conceptualizing that the mishkan, because there were so many different components to it, were, were moving to, and the fact that it was mobile in the in the desert, right? Symbolizing it seems God to mobility. symbolize that there's
0: pro- movement. What,
2: every every you know the korbanot, the right. Uh, mm-hmm. there's all like processes that are supposed to parallel us. I mean, could, could it be argued People that there's a meditative that
0: process? That's a Kabbalistic, or? more, or symbolic, Hirschian explanation. by Hirsch and the Kabbalah build so, on your theme. It's action-based, as yeah, opposed absolutely. to right. worshipping it-based. It yeah, okay, yeah. But also they had to make sure that doesn't become paganized. Eventually it did. Eventually the Vedic Dash became a shrine for paganism. 400 years later, which is why it was destroyed. Because again, abstractions are hard to do. So it's tough. So you say, Lord of God, Lord is one. Love God. How do you love the abstraction? <laughs> so you think of it as an idea with a reality, but even that reality is not real, that I can touch. So it's a very difficult sell. Yeah. What about the Western I mean, yes. world? Would, would, would you worry about that too? I mean, to the extent that it spiritually is meaningful to a person, it's wonderful. The extent that it becomes pagan, meaning that the wall intrinsically has power, which I don't think anybody believes any longer. I don't know.
3: You I think people definitely think. believe that. I don't yeah, think that's the <Everybody>
0: Well,
1: oh, I mean, it's you go there and you see it's, it's a lot of that is,
0: makes me uncomfortable. It could be, oh, I could be right. I mean, I, I don't like to do it that way, but it's... No, because you... It's a wall of, histo- yeah. for me, it's a wall of historic yeah. meaning.
3: Yeah.
0: But not not beyond that. You know, you pray, <laughs> I don't think God hears your prayers more than someplace else. You know, it's, it's, so that's what I would say. But interestingly, where would you see, if it takes on a, a life of its own... In that people will be willing to die and you kill for it. It's an interesting question. What if the Palestinians said, just give us a Temple Mount and you have everything else you want and we'll have peace forever. Now, assuming there were no historical... Do we need historical associations? Do we need historical...
1: Well, so land is designated holy.
0: But it's not to be deified. Pagans deify
1: land. We don't. So why do we treat... Uh, Jerusalem as holy land. Why
0: is that the holy? Uh, so let's think we have to think about that. Again, the high Sinai was not holy. It was holy at the time that God is invested. To the extent that Hashem was invested there, it's holy. But as soon as the high Sinai and Shekhinah are removed, so to speak, it's no longer we don't care about it. It doesn't mean anything. So what's the first holy place is the Mishkan, which is immovable. So time is holy, Shabbat is holy. I get it. Time. Space, let's see it as a... The need for holy space is a concession to human need. That you other have, words, we have to pray in a synagogue, as opposed to in my living room. It's, a, it's something that's dedicated to that, so it has a certain aura about it. So perhaps there's a human need for space to be viewed as holy. But you don't have any holiness of space in the book of Bereshit. Only in the Mishkan, which is the end of Shemot, does that space become in the Mishkan? But again, that's movable, which I think is fascinating. And then when it became permanent, ultimately it was paganized.
3: Why do you see um, uh, the need to like um, to sanctify space any more of a concession than sanctifying time?
0: A time, I don't think, is a concession. I mean, like, it's that's def- a truth. But it's that we need that, that, that God. Bereshit Shabbat. So the question, we could get to that, not right now, but we will get to that, why is time intrinsically holy as opposed to space which needs an act to do something? Well, it's not intrinsically like we make it. Well, right. Like we, what? Like what is Shabbat? Or, time. Like we, no, God right, it. Right, no. Right, 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 that's right, right, intrinsically holy. The space can come and go. I mean, okay. Synagogue yeah. Synagogue so so yes. And, like,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, I could sell a synagogue. I mean, if you think about it, let let's say you know we consider space holy, and that's it is the actual space. Right. The continents moving at an inch a year yeah, or whatever. Right. So does you know? So it's the obviously. The moved. Yeah. So I mean, it 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 can't be you know a grid done by God and this is holy. As this absolute. Is it, it's absolute. It's got to be more than That's why the is that. moving.
2: Yeah.
1: So, so we, like we don't the, want...
2: Like the mikvah, I mean, it has to be and connected to a... Mayim hayim, freely flowing waters. The, the concept of, of moving is also letting go of that which the mind wants to be, crystallize. And, and absolutize. And, and absolutize. Any absolutization. absolutization
0: is paganism.
2: And that's why... Only the God is absolute. We have violence because we... The idea that even like my conception of we'll a person you who know, right. cursed me yesterday, and I'm still look, experiencing that person today as I did yesterday, and that's a, a, a like a, an idol in my mind. Yeah, you hold on to
0: it. So let's get back to this over here. So that's Pesach Mitzrayim, and that's Pesach Dorot. We celebrate Pesach forever. What the tells us to, and Pesach Mitzrayim is something separate. Good. So now, the basic halacha of the Pesach that we celebrate can be divided into two sections. Number one, there are five commandments, like six, that involve Passover. Four negative, two positive. What are the negatives? There are five grains, which you want to explain as we go, as we go along. Wheat, oats, spelt, barley, and rye. Five grains. You're not allowed to eat any of these five grains once they come in contact with water for 18 minutes. If they're leavened, that's called hametz. Right? Mm-hmm. Now how serious is this? You cannot eat it, and there's four biblical commands about it. <coughs> so that if you eat it, you cut it. You cut off Jewish people, you're not about Jewish people. It's a statement. If you do it knowingly, you're aware of it, you know the Mitzvah, and you say, I know it, I don't care. I'm having a rye bread sandwich. Right? So, so you knowingly and say I don't care, and you cut off the Jewish people because you're asserting this concept of servitude, liberation, divine man is to be free. I don't buy that. Man,
3: All this is based on the, of, on the
0: grades, like this whole I didn't get to that huge
3: yet. concept is whether I eat or You're going to see right.
0: that. Yeah, you're going to see that. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that. You're going to see that. You know. Hang around. Hang yeah, What time is it? Is it
1: that? It's
0: 8.05. <laughs> you are beautiful. You <laughs> can't tell me the wrong time.
1: <laughs> you're beautiful. your you got seven <laughs> more minutes.
0: That's it. We start on time. We end on time. So then we'll get to that next week. If I'm here next week. I, okay. I have treatment on Tuesday, so I'm not sure I'll be here. I won't be here next week. But if I do choose, if I do it, I can do it, I won't be here. So it'll be the following Tuesday. But okay. So let's so yeah, you have five. Back. We have to get to your point. I'm getting to your point. It's on page okay. two, but okay. Five basic grains. Cannot eat. Eating eat kippur. A hayav karet. There are 36 in when if I do them, if I like them, Hayav karet. Right? Cut off. It's saying, I don't want it to be part of this. Analogously. You're born and you live in America. What's the core value of America? What do you say the core value pay of America? Taxes. Capitalism. <laughs> no. You voted for Obama mm-hmm. probably, I know you. Freedom. Capitalism,
3: freedom, Freedom. 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 freedom.
0: Okay. So let's say you're a person who truly believes in servitude and the education system failed in teaching you that freedom is a positive value. And that's very possible. I went to, a, I, I would probably say, a very problematic elementary school and high school, Magna David and because I didn't learn the beauty of America. I learned beauty of America when I went to Russia. And I saw what people who are physically free, but really mentally slaves to the communist system, We experienced it in Moscow, Leningrad. You saw the people who knew that KGB in is not but KGB is following them. They're on the same track as you. You can't escape big brother. You saw that, you felt that. There was an, an aura of negativism in Russia in the 1970s, under Brezhnev, until Gorbachev 10 years later then opened it up. But you felt it. So now let's say you were a person that was born and bred in Russia and you believe that's the right way to be. You're part of the oligarchy, so you really control and rule, and all of a sudden you come to America. And here you're free. You get lost. You get lost. You don't like it. It doesn't make sense to you. So I mean, you know, if I tell you to clean the pig, we had nine, they have zero percent unemployment. Because then 80-year-old ladies are scrubbing with their hands on their knees the Kremlin's bricks. You have four people to get a piece of bread. One to take your order, one to deliver, four people to get in the store. Highly inefficient. It's astounding. But okay. So now, let's say you come to America and you don't believe in freedom. And you publicly talk about, I don't believe in freedom. And McCarthyism. That would be the flip side. Yeah. Of, of where people... But they,
1: they, you, you can't stand for somebody who can destroy the system. So you have to have these right. laws that give you correct.
0: Right. Because that undermines the entire system. Mm-hmm. So if you had this person, let's say he gains power. If you call David Dukes in the 1980s and 90s was Louisiana and ran for governor, Ku, Ku Klux Klansman. who's a grand dragon, I think it was, of Ku Klux Klan. So imagine if he won. He didn't win, but imagine if he won. Popular guy, because there are people that believe in servitude, they are people that believe the blacks are inferior, and we should maintain that system. All men are created equal? No, only white men are created equal, but nobody else is. And we have people in the community who are racist and believe that blacks should be subjugated. We have a at shul. They say, I'm a racist. They say, I'm a racist. That's it. So I hate blacks. All blacks, I hate them all. But they're not that smart because they don't really get, they don't hate blacks. They hate the fact that when they were in a retail store in yeah. Brownsville, they were attacked by a black. And then they moved to the Bronx. They were attacked by a black. And then they moved to uh, um, in Brooklyn, uh, Brownsville, attacked by a black. So they generalized. But if you've had, but did you ever have a positive experience with the black? Yeah, but he was really black. He was really black? What do you mean? But they don't get that. So they have to have a mindset of, they say that I'm a racist, but they're not really, they just had very horrible experiences. We didn't in deal. He went to public school over here, He had positive experiences. But my cousin went to public school over here, they had positive experiences. Not negative, in Asbury Park and other places. But okay. So, khayaka means you cannot maintain that philosophy by cutting off Core beliefs. So Passover, dignity of the individual is a core belief. Sorry. Is a core belief. Thank you. Is a core belief. We have to analyze, thank you, analyze on, on Kippur. Why is, why is Kippur viewed as a core belief? Alright, not for now. One has to figure that out. Why is Kippur viewed as a core belief? Hayaf Karet. And in every one of these Hayaf Karet, to ask the question, why is this Hayav Karet? Now, it's only eating the hamets. Hayav karet. But there are three other, four other aspects. We are hayav karet. So what are they? Number one, you cannot eat hamets. That's hayav karet. Two, you cannot have it, you cannot possess it visibly or possess it even if you don't visibly see it. Known as Bajir e You can't visibly see it and own it and you cannot have in your possession if you don't see it and own it. Right? So you can't eat it, can't visibly see it, can own it and have it if you don't see it. So have a way out never go there. Let's say some people, Syrians, did this often. They put the hamas in their trunk. That's it. I don't see it. But you own it. It's no good. So those sound like fences for the person. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I don't know if it is or not. That's down the road. These are f- this of what? Forms So then also I cannot eat it, number one. I cannot have it physically my presence to see it or even have it without seeing it. And and I cannot eat it even a bit. In other words, I can have a whole bit of hamez bad. That's cool. But if I eat a little bit, ta'arove, a mixture of hamez, a tiny grain in my two gallon soup called ta'arove, a mixture of hamez, also prohibited biblically.
1: But not karat. So, right.
0: Not cut it. Only eating it is Hayav Karet. Eating Tarovit Chametz, I don't believe it's Hayav Karet, but it's an interesting question. I don't remember that. That's an interesting question. you yeah, have more than a kazai, so I would Yes, 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 yes. Yes, it's one ounce. 29 grams. If I eat less than a kazai, I'm not Hayav Karet for that. Right. Good. So you created Tarovit Chametz, actual Chametz, not to see it, not to have it, is four. And five is destroy it. Positive. You must destroy it. Tashbitu. So we have to talk about, as we go along, the absolute destruction. How do you destroy it? Nuke it? Burn it? What is absolute tashpitzur? That's one question. We'll get to that next time we meet. So you have five of these mitzvot. Don't eat it. Don't have tarot of it. Don't see it. Don't have it even without seeing it. But ownership. So if my housekeeper brings in hametz, it's not my problem. She owns it. She could have it in her basement, Yeah, house. I don't know if house, be, but she puts it there. It's not a problem. You could have a store. Your non store can brings it in. It's man's. Is it your man's? No. So it's not my problem. Let's say you have a rule in your store that whatever comes to the store, we all share in it. It's all ours. So somebody brings in a bottle, let's say, of Coke. Okay, we all share in it. You can't bring in a bottle of Coke and say it's mine. You bring it to the store, put it in the store refrigerator, we all eat from it. Somebody brings in, let's say, um, a six-pack. It's ours. You can't just simply drink it. It's all ours.
3: It's in the hospital, yeah, there's a room. You have food. They bring food. To the hospital. But we pay for it. this. Medical staff pay for this food.
2: So now they're telling me that we have to really sell it. As Jews, we can't really walk into that
0: hospital. Wait because minute, it's that's part of you know part of the. T- do you own that food? You know, because we pay every year. We pay three hundred dollars. You know, so it's, it goes okay. to that food. No, but what you pay and for They buy it. They buy it. But it's not yours
1: until you well, no, it. Well, no, because we need it, so
0: part of it is... I'm, but I'm you own it. In other words, if I, could I... No, no, I don't think you have to get rid of it, because it belongs to the hospital. Yeah, but you don't take possession
1: of it. If someone else could eat all the food and that... Worry, yeah, what if <laughs> someone else <laughs> eats it? So
0: what?
3: He's all worried, now. Yeah. So <laughs> what? I said he's all worried. Yeah. <laughs> you don't be worried. I <laughs> do not, not about this.
0: Because <laughs> you could only pay 300 dollars for... Fifty-one right. weeks. You're paying the you're paying for the right to eat it. Yeah. You're not buying yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think I don't. Whoever told you, you have to get rid. You know, I don't think you have to sell that hummus And if you sell it, then what about the, the who wants Humbra. to eat it? Sorry, it's it's, it's the, the liquid chamra. I think that's a liquid chamra. I don't think you have to worry about that because again, it's not you. What about if somebody says to you, "I owed you," I bought... say somebody's nice to you, move into the neighborhood, just person, and they. You went to them and you gave them a loaf of bread and an egg and you know all kinds of nice things. So obviously a week later it's Passover. Say I want to return the bread. They leave it in your mailbox. Don't Did you accept violate possession. Anything? Sorry. Don't accept possession. Right. So I could leave something in my domain, but I don't. Ex- I don't accept that it's mine. Let's say in many cases. Let's say. Let's say somebody owed you money. And they came and they threw a check into your domain. They put it in your mailbox. But you don't want that check. Why not? Because they paid you 10,000, they you 20,000, or you're disputing it. So they said, "I'll give them what I think it is 10,000." And then, good, I'll go to the court and say, I paid my debt." He accepted it. So if he accepts it, then I paid it. <coughs> so I don't want to accept the 10,000, because I think it's 15,000. So we go to court. And could you have something in your domain which is not in your possession? Is that yes. obviously can? Yes. Yeah. If I throw, somebody throws a loaf of bread into my house, on will pass it. Is it my fault? People might send you something. A gift. Here's a gift. Happens to be a cookie. Box of cookies. It happens. People send you gifts, whatever it may be. So, but I don't accept it. So it could be in my domain, but not in my possession. Right? So one could have that in mind.
1: What's, why is it so important to separate the... What's the significance of the bread and why is there so Come much... i at you. From, yeah. yeah, why is there so much... We'll
3: get much into that. That's, that. We'll get into that. We'll, just go, we'll get into what's that.
0: The big deal? Next two weeks. We're going to tell you. Two weeks from now, we're going to tell you. Eighteen minutes. It's 18 minutes. We're going to tell you. we <coughs> about time. So it comes back to time. Time is a very important part of Passover, mm-hmm. as I'll show you. Okay, so what we've seen over here is the importance of the opening verse on page uh, 348, number one. That's critical, as like she says, open from the Ski it's because it's your celebration of human freedom, number one. Number two, because as like she says, the first is the tzva, Lachem, you create sanctity, as opposed to God and Shabbat, you're creating the holidays whenever you want. And the difference between Pesach and Zinayim and our Pesach, our Pesach involves these five Yisurim. Number one, don't eat Hametz, and no benefit as well. So you can't even sell it and not eat it. So it's, Eating it means don't benefit, number one. Number two, no tarot over time is, in a tiny bit you can have. Three, don't own it and ha- and see it. Don't own it just have it in your warehouse. And five is destroy it. Devastate it. root it out. That's how we define Passover. Next time we will talk about the why of this. Are they,
1: are they considered biblical gates? You know, how
0: the rabbis No, 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 no. this is just gates biblical statements. No gates in the Bible. The Bible's straight, no gates.
1: That sounds like they're all supporting...
0: They are, they are, and it makes sense what you're saying because that's Hayab Karet and we're keeping you away from that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But nobody frames it that way. Thank you for coming. Thank you for we'll seeing